Hey there, entrepreneur. Are you having a hard time saying no? I mean, I know for me, sometimes I've just like said yes and jumped into an obligation before I even had a minute to think about it. Well, if this sounds like you, you are definitely want to go back and check out last week's episode with Tani Whitestone, where, you know, she was a self-made millionaire by her 30s, you know, and just an amazing person. But the number one lesson you're going to learn in that episode is how to say no, which really can make or break your business. So you'll definitely want to check that out. But for now, I'm jumping in with the incredible Kit Pang. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Guys, I am so excited to welcome Kit Pang to the show today. I came across him a couple of years ago, and I have to see, say that I have never quite seen anybody tell a story like this gentleman. So a little bit of background about him. Kit is here to help you earn your, I love this phrase, mic drop moment. As a Harvard Business School public speaking coach and the founder of Boston Speaks, Kit's mission is to turn his clients into exceptional speakers who deliver compelling speeches. His clients come from a diverse industries, a diverse range of industries, including Fortune 500 CEOs and TEDx speakers, NFL players, and, you know, three-star Michelin chefs, and then rising leaders and executives from companies like Dell, Delta, Remax, and so much more. Kit has handcrafted the coaching experience to eliminate frustration and fear, whether his clients are speaking on camera, in a conference room, or in a sold-out arena. And guys, I am really excited to have him here today, if you can't tell by my, by my voice and my inflections and reading that bio. So Kit, thank you so much for being with us today. Michelle, I love your energy. I'm super excited for this. And um, um, uh, I look forward to where the conversation will go. We don't know where it's going to go, but I look forward to it. Which is always the fun part, as I like to say. Yes. Um, so, I mean, just to, just to kick it off, I mean, I know your backstory a little bit, which I just, I just absolutely love, given the fact that I'm, I'm an arts girl, too, at heart, from the background. So, if you could tell people where you came from and just, you know, any challenges you've run up against along your journey? Would be cool. Yeah, sure. And there's, of course, many challenges. As entrepreneurs, <laughs> we face them uh, every single day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, I was, I'm, I'm not the typical entrepreneur. I uh, used to be a hip hop street performer, and that was something that I just randomly picked up as well. Uh, so I was street performing in, in Boston with a bunch of friends, and I got into dance. You know, I, I used to work at a dance studio, but during this time, my passion in dance was dying down. Like I was working at a dance studio. When I first got the job, I said to myself, oh, I was going to take dance classes every single day. But for the three or four years that I worked there, I took maybe only three classes. Right. You know, my, my passion for dance was like, I think over time I can see it 
die down. It's still there. It's still fun to do. But while that, at that time, when I saw speakers speak on stages or coaches with training, you know, all the YouTube videos I was watching, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, how the heck are people getting paid and booked to speak on panels, on keynotes? How are they getting out there? Uh, and the funny thing was, I, even though I was dancing and performing in front of people, I was still shy when I had to speak up. So for example, when I was in classrooms in college, I would hesitate to speak up. Uh, That's something my yoga teacher said, when you're stuck in your head, you're dead. And I felt like I wanted to speak up, but I felt like I was playing mind games. So I didn't even raise my hands. Or in meetings, I felt like I wanted to say something, but I was just thinking, hmm, should, I, should I say that? So uh, I was not the most confident speaker out there. Uh, but of course, selfishly, I got into public speaking and wanted to speak because one day, like your listeners, I knew I wanted to start my own business. I don't know when I wanted to, but I just knew I wanted to do my own thing. Uh, but more importantly, I wanted to become a, a leader. I got into public speaking because I knew that all leaders have to have good communication and public speaking skills. You know, it's no longer the survival of the fittest. It's the survival of who can get the ideas across. Whether it's at home, uh, at meetings, at work, you're in a a meeting, you're doing an update, you're doing a presentation. And so when I, when I was still dancing uh, and, and this, you know, a lot of people might have imposter syndrome, and this one thing that I've heard, so if any of you entrepreneurs are, are facing that, uh, if you are a fifth grader, you can be an expert to the third grader. <laughs> I did not have any experience with public speaking training or, or, or much, you know, any communication. I just read a few books. So whenever, <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, how can I get out there? How can I learn as fast as possible? I started on Eventbrite and Meetup. So whenever there were empty spaces, I would find an empty space and I would try to, I would just say how to, how to get better at public speaking. I would put that on Eventbrite, get that on Meetup and try to get as many people in the door as much as possible. So basically, that's how I first started. That was my one vehicle. So instead of podcasts, instead of blogs, my vehicle was events do as many workshops and events as possible. Uh, So that's basically how I got into it. I just, I love your story. And I think, you know, I think you, you really drive home the point of the communication part of it, right? Because I know you and I have both seen amazing and brilliant business people who just can't get out of their heads, right? I know I've coached Mm -hmm. a bunch of them. You probably have too, um, where if they can't articulate how their brilliance or if their brilliance can't be brought forth, you know, the world, the world loses out too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm sure maybe you've, you've seen, like, like you're saying, you're coaching other people. It's, it's hard to communicate um, your ideas, especially when you're an entrepreneur, your greatest asset is for you to be able to communicate your ideas and sell effectively. When I say selling, that's to, if you have a, a, you know, if you have a team, you have to sell your ideas to your team. You have to sell your ideas to your clients. Uh, and it's the same thing on a website. You know, it's, it, you, you, it's your ability to be able to communicate how well you can help other people at the end of the day. Right. 
Right. And I think, and even if you can't, even if that is not your strong suit, like you said, you know, you, that wasn't in the cards for you. You didn't even remotely see that as a, as a possibility when you were dancing and stuff, you know, you need to ask for help or you need to find a resource. You know, somebody needs to find a you essentially um, to help them kind of break free of that. Right. Yeah. But what about you, Michelle? I want to ask you, what do you think about, have you always liked like uh, public speaking or presenting? Yeah, I mean, it's similar. It's interesting that you said that about dance because those people who know me, I have a music and theater background, but when I turned that into a business, um, you know, when I had the agent and I did all that stuff, it wasn't fun anymore. Mm. <laughs> I, lost, I lost a little bit of that passion, but I always have, have liked to be on a stage and I've never, it's kind of always lit me up in that way. Um, yeah. And it and it translated into public speaking, and I and I didn't know what I was missing until I made that leap and married kind of my my business brain with my my performance brain, for lack mm. of a better a better term. Can Can I ask what you liked about being on stage? If you can yeah. think of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the energy, the the exchange of energy between the audience and myself. That is, that's one thing. I also like that that little bit of fear and risk that comes with a live audience. I mean, podcast, I love this too, just because I love the conversations, but there's nothing quite, quite the same as when you have a live audience and it can be virtual or in person. And, and that little bit of risk that comes with stepping on a stage. I, I just, that rush is kind of really. Yeah. Awesome. And I love that you said that because I think when it comes to, uh, growing in business, whether it's a personal brand or it's, you know, a lot of different people, that, that, that energy, that risk that you're in, I think people have to be able to find that when they're entrepreneurs. Uh, as an example, uh, when I started speaking, I used to uh, MC events as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was invited to, you know, MC more formal events sometimes. At the beginning, I felt like that I had to adapt a hundred percent to the event. I have to be formal. They gave me, you know, sometimes they would give me scripts. I, I would, I would read them verbatim. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't until one day I'm like, this is not how I usually do it. When I do my own events, right. I said, okay, I'm going to take a little risk. How can I be more like myself? I was scared because my style was more conversational, but I did it. Yeah. And people liked it even more. Well, because I was it's happy. authentic. Yeah. 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 It's you. Yeah. It's you. I think and that that is such a valuable message. Thank you um, for our listeners as well, because there are so many people out there trying to be what their, their clients or their customers or those around them want to be. And they don't understand when they can just step into their own brilliance, how successful that they can be. Yeah. And um, I think... If you haven't found that moment yet, you definitely have to take more opportunities and risk until you find that moment, wherever that you find it. Maybe it's on your podcast, maybe it's on your next webinar, maybe it's on the next blog, wherever it is, it's that, it's that, it's that yeah. it moment. Yeah, it's that place where you kind of feel those butterflies in your stomach where you're like, is this going to be a good idea? I don't really know, but F it, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they yeah. asked uh, Adele, you know, the singer. Yeah. They asked her, how do you know when your next song is going to be a big hit? You know what she said? She said she cries a little bit when she's writing that song. Like she, do- she doesn't know how well it's going to go, but at the same time, she knows it's going to go really well. So emotionally, she's invested. Well, of course. And I think it's that, 
I don't know how you can be an entrepreneur. I mean, really a, a person living, living full out and not have some sort of comfort with risk, right? Or have some comfort with putting yourself out there, which I know I have a friend who runs an amazing group for introverts, right? So, and she talks a lot about that, how to kind of curb that, but how to still be able to take risks and not be 100% risk averse, but be able to put yourself out there because that's the only way you kind of learn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I love it. Um, so, I mean, you've done all sorts of stages, so I just want to, I'm going to straight up ask, I mean, have you messed up? <laughs> oh yeah, I messed up. I, I messed up uh, a, a bunch. And I told my wife, it was one day I told my wife all, the, all of the different ways that I failed on stages. Yeah. Uh, the obvious ones, my, uh, as my, my, my pants were unzipped. This happened two times. I was hosting a panel. You know those high chairs? Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting yeah. on a high chair. I look down. I'm like, oh, my pants is unzipped. And then I don't think anyone noticed. And then That's another right. time, same time my pants was unzipped, I went on, went on stage. And then I somehow noticed like a few minutes, few minutes in. Uh, I think those were the obvious ones. Uh, this one time I messed up super, super, super bad. Uh, if you've sp- spoke on a, a big stage, sometimes they, they give you a timer counting down. Okay. So if it's 30 minutes, you know, go 29 yeah. for some that reason. That gives me anxiety, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard when you have like, a timer. Yeah, go ahead. Well, for some reason on that, on that day, the timer went down, but when it goes to zero, okay, it doesn't just end that zero. That clock, it went on a re-loop. So it went minus, negative, like one second, negative two seconds, and then negative, yeah. negative. I went over negative 30 minutes. Holy crap. And this, was, <laughs> <laughs> and this was at that VMAX event when I was doing a keynote. I'm like, oh my God, this is a big stage. Um, you know, little stuff like this. So, well, I mean, you know what? They just got double the value, man. <laughs> That's how I look oh, at man, I, I, felt, I felt bad. Yeah, I mean, and I've been, I've been the handler too for large events like conferences and stuff like that for right. speakers where I'm the one in the back of the room going like, wrap it up babe, like, let's go. Um, yeah, and, and I know and that that feeling can be, it's, it's horrible. You feel awful. But yeah. And when that happens, you just got to wrap it up. Oh, one, one more mistake. I teach a lot of workshops. One day, I double booked the workshop on the same time. So there were two events going on. They had like, uh, like 40 people each in each one of them at yeah. the same time that was going on. I found out like, in like 30 minutes before. Um, so no, I just oh. moved everyone. Different topics, by the way. I moved everyone to the same room. I'm like, they couldn't have been on the same topic, right? <laughs> that would have been way easier, at least. But that's not how life rolls, though. And I think, you know, so that's, that's a good segue for us into, you know, the current state that is going on right now. And I know I am a big fan, and I just was re-listening to your, your talk at Inbound and your, your former TED Talk on active listening and things like that. Um, I love all of your points because I'm a big I'm a big advocate of active listening, and I think mm-hmm. it is it is harder than people think it is. Um, so, and I and in this current climate where people there are some people who are desperate to sell, I am finding people are doing a little better when they are actually listening to what their people want. So, can you give us your two cents on the impact of active listening with in doing business or just in life itself? Yeah, when it, when it's listening, I'm going to touch upon two points. One is uh, the first truth. People don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. 
Amen. Yep. Okay. People don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. I don't know who said that first, but when I first saw that, it's a hundred percent true. Uh, you know, maybe you've uh, you've called for, for Verizon before. Okay, your phone is broken. Your wi you know your Wi-Fi is broken, and you get on the phone with a, a salesperson, and they just, and you just feel like they don't care, right? You, you just feel like you just feel like they don't care. Versus you get on the phone with someone and you just feel like they care, okay? Right. Even if they feel like they care, maybe your, your, your two-hour wait would be, okay, they, they, they treated me well while I was on the phone, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, during this current climate, yes, we might be slow on business, but we, we can't forget that our clients, our customers are our number one priorities. We got into business because we want to care for their success. Right. So uh, as, as an entrepreneur, as, as a business, how can you show that you care for your clients? Right? Right. Absolutely. That, that's it. You know, uh, so, so I, I, I say this. So sometimes it's hard to listen. I said it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's hard to listen for the whole entire time. What you want to show to the other person it's a feeling that you are listening to them. It could be five seconds. Really, imagine the last time you felt listened to. It wasn't the whole conversation. It just felt like, oh, that person really listened to me right. for five minutes or even five seconds. Mm -hmm. So when you get into conversations, whether on Zoom, whether you're on the phone or in person, are you showing up? Or are you thinking of so many different things? You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the past and you're not in the present. Right. How can you just show up and be there for others? And that is, I'm gonna say, one of your best sales vehicle, just being present. Because your clients care about you being present for them. And it's not hard. I think, I think we both have seen and probably you know, read a lot of the sales books and a lot of the tactics and a lot of you know, that, the, where people have overcomplicated it. And I, I know I had a lot of conversations when all of this started, when things started getting shut down with clients about, you know, mm -hmm. how do you want to be remembered by the time you're done with when, when this is passed, mm. right? How do you want your brand to be remembered? Do you want to be desperately selling or do you actually want to give a shit about your customers? And to your point, I would much rather be on the receiving end of a phone call with Verizon where somebody, even if I sat on hold for two hours, actually cared that I was a person versus, you know, just another number yeah and in business i believe it all starts with listening you know the the question is chicken or egg which came first you know <laughs> listening or talking definitely listening uh, uh for more of a business example i think this is one of the best times if your clientele is slowing down this would give you more reasons to listen Here's an example, a different kind of example. My wife and I, this is before COVID, we wanted to go into, uh, I forgot which pizza place, Perducci's, uh, California Pizza's Kitchen, one of, one of them. One of them, yeah. We went in and uh, I'm not sure if you ever smelled it before. They cleaned the kitchen of some kind of chemicals and it just stinks. The whole, the whole place stinks. We didn't want to eat there because the whole place stinks, okay? Are you listening to your clients and do you know why they're saying no to you okay they might be popping to your website they might be popping to your blog just like us 
going into the restaurant, we went into the restaurant, but they never found out why we said no. Exactly. Okay. So you might have a client base already. You might have some people going into your blogs, going to, into your podcast, but they jump off. Okay. So sometimes instead of trying to find new clients all of the time, you, you might have a base of people that are already going to you, but they're not buying for some reason. Right. Fi- listen, try, try to find a way to listen and yeah, you yeah. will solve the long-term problem. Yeah, I think to Even your faster. point though, I think people are sometimes, they're just looking for the newbies, right? Yeah. They're like, let me keep filling the pipeline, filling the pipeline. Come on, come on, come on. Let me touch as many people as I can. And they're not doing a good enough job of cultivating the people in their backyard to your point. And I mean, I know in restaurant, restaurant terms, because I spent a lot of years way back in restaurants, um, yeah. hence the theater degree kind of comes with the territory. Um, but, you know, when it comes to restaurants, they typically have like a certain checkpoint system and secret shoppers and all of these people mm. because they're interested to a point, but also they know that a no is much more, is much stronger for them than a yes, because it comes with, to your point, that level of information that can inform them as to how they weren't doing their, their clients justice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it all goes back to, do you know the reasons why, you know, that is one of the greatest missed sales opportunity because you think you have everything, you know, if the, if the, if the restaurant we run into, didn't know we thought it's, you know, everyone was used to the smell. We were not used to the smell. It stinks. No. It's so normal to them. Uh, this is analogy. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard. It's a frog in, in, a, in, a, in a pan yeah. or in, in a pot. Yeah. yeah so yeah. if you have a frog and there's water in there already and you turn it to boiling, the frog doesn't know the water is getting hot and it will boil to death. Right. Versus the water is boiling already and you put the frog in, the frog will jump up. Right. As business owners, as entrepreneurs, we, we're like that frog a lot of the times. We, we need other people to say, here's what's going on. Yeah, I couldn't, agree. I couldn't agree more. I think we are the closest to it. We're the closest to it in the day-to-day. And plus, a lot of the times with entrepreneurship, it's an extension of us, right? So there is that personal, that personal connection to your business. You don't want anybody to say no to your baby. You don't want anyone yeah. to say no to, your, to you. Um, so, I mean, when, when somebody comes to to you and says, you know, I don't, I'm, it's a fear of rejection, I guess, type of approach with that. What would you say to them if they're, they're scared to ask, you know, why did you say no to me? This as a, as an entrepreneur and as a leader, this is your job to be able to do this. It's not a, you want to, it's a, it's part of your job responsibility. Yep. Uh, if you don't do this, then you'll never grow as a business. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to. It's kind of like you, it's kind of like you're cooking. You can cook food that's good for you. But if 10 other people taste your food and they all hate it, you're not a good cook. <laughs> you're you're just not alone. a good cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have any friends over for cooking, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you can be the best cook for yourself. You can be the best business owner for yourself. But again, if you don't get feedback, yeah. you're never going to improve. I mean, and for and I know one of the topics that you speak on is kind of having that mindset of a champion, having that mindset to really, you know, reach the top of success or whatever success looks like for you. Can you speak to a little bit about, you know, for our listeners, what you would say 
I don't know, the top three are, however you want to sum it up in regards to mindset and keeping your eye on the prize and, and running the marathon of entrepreneurship. Can you speak to a little bit about that? I have to be honest. I think most of the time as, as speakers, we speak on things that we want to learn. Mm-hmm. Yes. I speak about greatness because I am completely the opposite of it. Uh, you might tell that like my personality, I go head in. I don't think that much. I don't plan that much. Um, I rather do it first and then think later. Me too. So yeah. This is a good thing and a bad, you know, on, I'm on one side of the line. The other side of the line is some people over prepare. Okay. Yes. Yes. And sometimes when we coach people, we just try to get other people to the opposite sides of whatever they're doing. <laughs> exactly. and, and that's exactly it. In the business, if you plan too much, don't plan too much. If yep. you don't, if you don't plan, plan. As a speaker, same exact thing. Um, if you over-prepare your speech, ring it a little bit. If you always ring it, you need to prepare. So, so uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, being great, I take a lot of lessons uh, from my wife. Okay? Uh, one day, uh, one, one, one evening, I, I was, uh, we were going to bed, and I said to my wife, you know, I how how are you doing things so good that you're doing like she sleeps on time she works out every single day it's it's clockwork for yeah. her yeah i'm like uh and she wants to right now be number one she wants to go for crossfit uh and she just wants to compete for crossfit and i said to her uh why do you want to be number one like how, how, how do you how do you get your mindset to be number one or want to go for number one in crossfit uh and she says, Kit, you've got it all wrong. She doesn't want to be number one in CrossFit. She just wants to be number one for herself. Yes. So every single day is not competing with other people. She wants to be a better version of herself from the day before. It's not a competition, again, not a competition of other people. It's a competition of yourself. So I see that as greatness because if you listen to people who succeed, this is one of the things that they do talk about. They always think about, hmm, how can I just be better from from yesterday? They think about the things that they're doing, the things that they're not doing, and they just try to get better and better and better and better at it. Um, Right, while keeping their eyes on their own paper, which is, you know, something that's extremely valuable so that you can stay out of your head and not be comparing yourself to those around you, which is, which is extremely easy to do, especially with social media and stuff like that. Um, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Um, what's, what's your take on, on that? Oh goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time rearing clients back in from looking at the peripheral a lot of time and myself included, I think, because we're human, right? So we are, we are, um, always looking around, you know, and, and, I think it's, it's easy to confuse that quest with wanting to be a better person with comparing to other people, right? Because you have to do the research on some levels. Like if you don't know what you don't know, so you have to go check out some other things to figure out how other people are doing it. And you almost have to put those blinders on to say, this is how they're doing it. That doesn't, that doesn't cast a judgment on how I'm not doing it. Hmm. Um, so there has to be somewhat of that little bit of wall of protection And then I think in regards to social media, I'm always very conscious of the fact that that is the final performance and not that you may not see the dress rehearsals on social media. So, and people are human and everybody is struggling at some point. Everybody's making mistakes. So I just, I keep that in the forefront of my mind and try to remind clients as much as possible as well. 
of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like keeping the blinders on. Uh, you reminded me of, I, I did not make this up. LeBron James made this up, okay? I was listening to, to one of his, uh, I have the Calm Meditation app. Yeah. <laughs> and he talks about managing your emotions, which relates to this. So he talks about there's 10 seconds left in the game, okay? People are looking to him to make the winning shot. The fans are screaming. Some of them hate them. Some of them love them. Uh, the cameras are on him. So he gave a three-step plan of the things that he always thinks about. At these moments, step one, breathe and be calm. Absolutely. Because when you're tense, it's hard for your mind to think and it's hard for you to react. So in those 10 seconds, the best thing that he can do is take a, you know, take a step back and breathe because his team needs him, the people need him, and he needs himself. The second step, exactly what you said. Uh, this is what he said. Like those horses that have blinders on, Absolutely. they see straight. So, you know, they don't see all the sides. So are you focused on your goal, right? For him, it's 10 seconds left. He has to make the shot, you know? After you're breathing, are you still focused on what you need to accomplish? Are you focused on your goals? Are you blocking everything out? And step three, to managing your emotions and keeping a track of this, can you distract, can you ignore the distractions? Yeah. People over there, if you've been to a basketball game, you know, they're flapping the, flapping the, the there's things. Tons of it, yeah. There's, there's cameras, there's everything. Uh, people are yelling at them. Can you ignore the distractions? This is what my wife told me. She, uh, she was on Instagram looking at this athlete. Her name is Catherine uh, uh, David's daughter. Her and her coach were working at a forest one day and the coach is pouring dirt on her. You know why? Why? She can focus on keeping the distractions away. Yeah. While she was doing burpees, he's just pouring dirt on her. <laughs> well, yeah, because you have to zone in. I mean, I, way back in my corporate days, I remember I was leading the, the PayPal Europe email operations team and talk about pressure like i'm talking visibility the ebay board level amount yeah, of yeah. craziness and i had this amazing mentor at the time and you know shout out to steve webster who who told me he just looked at me and i was a i was young i was just trying to prove myself and he's like you need to block the noise out he's like mm. you're listening to too many you've got teams coming at you stakeholders stakeholders coming at you everyone coming at you from every angle he's like block out the noise he's like single, you know, view of sight, block it out to achieve the goal. And I, I swear I'll never forget, never forget. He may forget that conversation. I will never forget that conversation. Wow. Oh, well, Michelle, I have a question for you. Yeah. When, when should you know to move to the next thing? You know what I mean? It's like, if you've been trying this thing and it's not working, well, when is it, when do you think I need to move to, let's say you're doing this one strategy. Yeah. Um, let's, say, let's say social media. You're posting on social media for 30 days straight. Mm-hmm. Well, should I keep on going? Or if it's not working, should I switch and do something else? You know, when is that? Yeah, of course. I think, I think when, I, when I talk to people, I think it depends on the thing. Like you said, if it's a tactical execution thing, like if it's a social media, if it's a email strategy, if it's anything like that, you need to give it time, right? You need to give it time to bake and then test and tweak, right? So that's a 30, 60, 90 day approach, in my opinion. So that's tactical, right? Um, you need enough data. You need enough data to actually say, did it, did it fly or not? But then, you know, when it comes to sometimes for the business part, I tell a lot of people before you make the call of whether or not it's worked or not, or I, I had this conversation quite a bit with people who are about to close their businesses, right? 
you know, number one, is that a strategic move? Or are you doing it from a place of fear? Are you shifting, you know, your, your strategy because you're scared or because, you know, you're second guessing yourself? Like, what is the why behind why you want to move? You know, and I, and I think in order to really get to that decision, you need to quiet down. <laughs> you know, I find a lot of people running so fast and tweaking strategies so quickly that they didn't give them time to bake or they are doing it from a place that is not necessarily strategically motivated, if that makes any sense. Um, so, you know, looking at the data, if it's something tactical that can be proven by data, testing and tweaking, and then, you know, listening to yourself, listening to your intuition because, and your audience, obviously, coming full circle with our, our conversation earlier, yeah. listening to what people have to say about it to a point, and then making a gut decision, kind of what I would say. Yeah, and that's, I want to touch upon the point that you said, listening to yourself. That's the other big thing that I, like the second big thing I talk about is, uh, you know, I, I often say, would you hire a fitness coach if the fitness coach was not fit? Usually people, you know, I'm not saying, usually people yeah. won't. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs and leaders, if we don't listen to ourselves, can we really be effective leaders and entrepreneurs to others? Um, because if we, if we want to help others, uh, and if we're not listening to ourselves, you know, we're, we're so busy, we don't even have time to think, uh, we need that time to think. Yeah. And I mean, self-awareness, yeah. I think is, you know, I remember coming out of corporate or just, just anywhere in my journey and it blew my mind how many people were not self-aware and how amazing of a strategy just for life and business being self-aware is. And I think being able to hear yourself think and understanding where your true north is. Um, my company on, on paper is called Create Honesty, right? And, and people have been like, well, what's that? That doesn't make any sense from a branding standpoint. What are you doing? And I was like, because I never want to be away from you know my true north, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, so it serves as a reminder for me. But if you don't have that level of self-awareness, especially as a leader, whew, like you're, you're in for an uphill battle. I think. Yeah. 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 That's the best, the best thing that you can do for yourself as a leader, self-awareness. Right. Yeah. Um, and hearing the feedback to your earlier point too, and understanding why people aren't reacting or why they are. Yeah. And it goes back to listening. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Full circle. Look at that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, as we're kind of, you know, wrapping up, are there any other things, any other tidbits? I know you are just an amazing wealth of knowledge that you think would, would benefit our entrepreneurs that are listening today. I would say touching on a top on, on, on this topic, uh, self-awareness, listening, the best thing that you can do if you have not tried this, again, I'm not one of those people that are super organized, <laughs> but the best thing that you can do is to track your time. Yes. Yeah. Track exactly what you're doing with your time. I'm going to, uh, can I share my screen or I know this is on a podcast, but that's okay. Share your screen. Cause at some point this will be moving to YouTube. So feel free. <laughs> uh, and this is something that I, I, oh, you have to, uh, you have to, um, make me, oh, I can one second. Let me pull this up. And I'm saying tracking your time because as a, as an entrepreneur, you're, uh, and as a, you know, just as an individual, your time is the, your most important uh, asset. Right, right. And so if you don't know what you're doing with your time, then you're screwed. 
And I think I always get the reaction when I tell clients to do that. They're like, oh, no. And I'm like, but how do you know? How do you know what to charge people? How do you know, you know, how yeah. to calculate mm-hmm. your your hours? How do you know what you're putting in? How do you know what you're, pro- so many things, so many questions are answered that way. With so many things. Your time. Yeah, there's so many things. Use an app for this, okay? The app that I use is called Timeular. Like I track down my, my office time, my fitness time, my home time. Uh, this is just a snippet of it. But uh, I can tell that for the past few months, <laughs> this is, I need to do better. I've only been spending 25 hours a week on, on, on my business. The rest of the time, <laughs> right. it's at home. But I know where it's going. Exactly. If you, don't, if you don't know where your time is going, then you're going to be screwed. Um, so what I usually do is I track my time and then weekly I would write reflections on, nice. um, on like what, what needed to be done, what not needed to be done. And this is the best thing that you can do as an entrepreneur um, to know where your time is going. You know, some people, they want to go into just tracking business. Well, when you're doing business, what are you doing? Are you answering emails? too much are you going on social media too much and yeah. so sometimes having that is so so crucial i would say that's the number one thing self-awareness be, because if you don't block out the time it's hard for you to listen to other people as well i think and also like a lot of the people you see are you know doing all the things that make them entrepreneurs i, hear, I see this a lot and they're like well why aren't i converting and i'm like well, what activities are you actually doing to make money versus the stuff like I set up my website, I posted on social, I did the things. And I'm like, well, if 90% of your time is being spent with kind of this, this stuff that's not IPAs or income producing activities, you know, you're not going to know that either if you're, if you're not tracking your business. So you might just be busy instead of successful. Yeah. So. And I used to be just busy. Like you were right. saying, I'm just, just busy for no reason at all. Right. Right. And not intentional. And I love the fact that you said that you sit down and review it. Because that's what I say. I say very something very similar, where I say review at the yearly, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, whatever you can to to review it. Because it's it's good data to have, right? Yeah, yeah. So for the people that's listening, tra- start tracking your time today on a notebook or somewhere else. Yeah, and there's apps app. for that, folks. Apps for that. <laughs> it's easy. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. Anything else? Anything else? Yeah, I just could talk to you all day. So, I mean. Oh, no, this is great, Michelle. I don't want to keep on going on too long. <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, tell folks where they can find you because I definitely want to make sure that they can, that they're able to get to you if they need to. Yeah, you can visit uh, bostonspeaks.com if you do want to improve your communication and public speaking. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Kit Pang. Just search it up. On, on LinkedIn, or we have all the, the social media channels as well. Just put in Boston Speaks. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'll be sure to drop all of those links in the show notes for anybody who would like to find them. And I'm really excited to announce if you are a member of the Surviving Entrepreneurship community on Facebook, that Kit will be giving away his Communication Mastery Bundle, which I have to say, guys, I have checked out and it is pretty damn amazing. So if you haven't yet, jump into that group. Those links are in the show notes as well, or you can just search it on Facebook and you will find us there. And Kit, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you've, you've left so much value for our listeners here today. Michelle, thank you so much. Such a pleasure. All right, everyone. So let's, let's recap a little on the, on the topic of active listening and just really giving a shit about your clients, guys. Like, I just absolutely love Kit because he just simplifies it and boils it down to 
what's important. And to be honest, if it's life or it's business, guys, you just have to care. And active listening, you know, really engaging and hearing your customers, listening to those in your life, you know, for real, not just kind of half-ass doing it, like just tune in and show them that they're being heard. You know, that can go so far, business, personal, all of the different areas. And I think sometimes people over-engineer it and they try to put all these tactics in play. And, you know, it's just about, from a customer perspective, seeing them as people. And from a connection perspective, when it comes to, you know, I like to use the word connection over networking, just because I think it's a little bit more valuable that way. I'm not just networking with you. I'd really like to connect with you, but just listen, just actively listen. And I promise it will make a huge change in your life. And on the next episode, I am being joined by Laura Benedetto, And oh my gosh, you don't want to miss this one because, you know, Number one, she's coming to us from Hawaii, and I just think that's amazing because I'm a little jealous there. But number two is the fact that she founded her you know, award-winning marketing company when she was 19 years old and retired from it at age 37, and that's when she relocated to Hawaii and is on like career number two, which she's a TEDx speaker and a best-selling author and all of the things. So please tune in next week. And as always, everyone, if you love this podcast, please subscribe, download, rate, and review. And, you know, don't forget to tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life? Right, guys? See you later.